The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Finally, are you ready? But that's not me, I'm the Switchblade, baby. You, you, and especially you, Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Goodbye. Write it down, you like writing things down. I am your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. I am Omega, 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 the Omega Luke Wrestling Podcast. What's going on, guys, and welcome to your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. Yes, that is right. My name is Omega Luke, and I hope you're all having a wonderful day as we build up to the holidays. This is Omega Luke Podcast, and you have tuned into a fantasy booking league match between long-term rivals of the JSPL, the Josh and Stu Prediction League, Royally Rumbled, the current JSPL champs, newcomers to the fantasy booking league, and the JSPL creators, the Double Trouble. That is right, Josh and Stu podcast themselves. Now, I am also proud to announce that I have joined the awesome guys at Social Suplex Network, where there is plenty of amazing wrestling podcasts to check out. So I implore you to check them all out and to do that just so. But if you are listening to me right now for the first time from the Social Suplex, then please let me introduce myself to you all. My name is Omega Luke, like I said earlier, and I am obviously from the UK, as you can tell by my accent. I begin this podcast end of June this year to focus on fantasy booking as I had plenty of ideas for storylines after being bitterly disappointed from WWE TV at the time and I thought why not get them out there as it turns out I was not the only one and now I host a league competition the fantasy booking league with 10 entrants battling out to be my first champion the league is broken up into two groups of five each match I pick a wrestler or scenario for them to fantasy book. I then pick the best one and the winner of that episode takes two points. The winner of each group will then go on to the finale where I will crown my champion but it does not end there as I already have people who have listened from the beginning eagerly awaiting the end of the league to challenge the champion already. So I hope you understand what's going on here. If you would like to check out All the previous matches you can do so on the Omega Luke Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Spotify and all forms of podcasts and apps which I encourage you to do so as there are some amazing matches and we already have one finalist named from Block A. But from now on the matches will be on both Omega Luke and the Social Suplex Network and I am very excited to be a part of the network going forward. Right, let's get this B-Block match underway. Today, the two teams will be fancy booking for me, the new Nexus. So I am very excited to hear how this one plays out. 
So after we cut to one of my new wrestler friends telling you to subscribe to the podcast, let's head straight into the first fantasy booking. What's happening, wrestling fans? I'm Chuck Mambo, gnarliest wrestler in the world, telling you to subscribe to the Omega Luke Wrestling Podcast. Hey, once again, everybody. I'm Jordan. I'm Robert. And we are Royally Rumbled. This is our second contest in the Omega Luke Fantasy Booking League. And today, we are tasked with creating the new nexus using today's nxt and invading raw or smackdown to lead to a takeover pay-per-view weekend our story begins week one smackdown live tuesday may 7th 2019 midway through the show a match between big e and one half of the smackdown tag team champions sheamus is happening Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods are in Big E's corner, and Cesaro is in Sheamus's. The match is very stiff and hard-hitting. A big spot occurs where both men are on the apron of the ring. Sheamus flips Big E into the ring and stretches his arms over the ropes, and begins hitting him with the ten beats of the Bowery. The crowd chants along as he makes contact. One, two, three, four. Woods and Kofi crowd around Sheamus, and Woods plays the trombone loudly next to Sheamus, distracting him and allowing Big E to escape the ropes. Cesaro runs around the ringside area and begins dishing out European uppercuts to both Woods and Kofi. As Sheamus watches this unfold, he turns around and gets speared off the apron by Big E, and they fall into the group. Everyone is down and the referee begins to count to ten. Big E picks Sheamus up and throws him into the ring, just before the referee makes it to nine. Big E starts clapping and the crowd chants along. New day rocks out of nowhere someone seemingly a fan hops the guardrail and jumps into the ring hitting Big E square in the jaw and knocking him down the referee goes to tackle the fan but is knocked back Sheamus goes to stand up and gets kicked in the side of the face security runs in and tackles this man and drags him out of the ring the camera cuts away to the remaining wrestlers on the outside who are looking on in confusion and checking on Big E Cesaro stands up and looks over to the area where the attacker was pulled. The crowd begins to erupt, and the camera picks up who is being carried out by security. Corey Graves identifies the man to the WWE Universe. Oh my god, guys. That's the knockout artist Cassius Ono. Ono is smiling and shouts, The takeover's just getting started. They quickly cut away to commercial. The following night on NXT, the commentators talk about what happened on SmackDown and say that Cassius Ono will not be on NXT this week. Later on in a backstage segment, we see NXT General Manager William Regal hastily leaving his office. EC3 is standing next to the door. Regal says, I haven't the time right now. EC3 replies, Yeah, I mean, you saw what happened on SmackDown, and I have to say, Ono isn't wrong. The takeover is just getting started. Regal gives him a stern look. EC3 smirks and then attacks William Regal, laying him out backstage as NXT superstars and officials pull him off Regal to end NXT. EC3 shouts, Long live the king! as the screen goes black. On SmackDown the next week, the commentators discuss the chaos that ensued during last week's match between Big E and Sheamus. 
then talk about the attack on William Regal, showing photos. Paige is shown backstage on the phone when the New Day walk into her office. The New Day want an explanation and say they want Cassius Ono in a match. The bar enter and say the same. They don't care if it's in the ring or the parking lot. Paige explains that Cassius Ono is an NXT superstar and there's no way she's allowing him to come to SmackDown after a stunt like that. She's doubled ringside security. She does say that Big E versus Sheamus never saw a winner, so they're going to finish that match tonight. Later that night, Sheamus, along with Cesaro, make their way to the ring. The New Day enters next, but are ambushed at the top of the ramp by Cassius Ono and EC3. Both men have crowbars, and they repeatedly strike the New Day. Big E crumbles after Ono strikes his knee. It's a brawl and it happens really fast. The bar and security comes for them, but EC3 and Ono run back through the crowd and out of the arena before security and the bar could get to them. Again, very non-scripted, very brutal looking. Big E is gripping his knee. He could be legitimately hurt. The next night on NXT, William Regal is out for an undisclosed period of time. There is a scheduled match between Cassius Ono and EC3 versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch that is hyped up for the episode. Backstage, Matt Riddle is being interviewed, but they hear a scuffle and go towards the sound. EC3 and Ono are standing over an unconscious Lorcan and Birch holding crowbars. EC3 and Ono drop them and grab the camera by the lens. They look at each other and back into the camera. EC3 says softly, The takeover is here. Long live the king. We'll see you Tuesday. And they push the cameraman over and walk away. Week 3 begins on SmackDown Live. The show opens with Paige in the bar arguing in her office. The bar is demanding a match against EC3 and Ono. We are your tag team champions. Let us defend SmackDown's honor. Paige eventually agrees that for the safety of everyone, she will grant a one-time only match between the bar and EC3 and Cassius Ono at Backlash. Because it's safer to have your enemy in front of you than lurking behind you. Later, during a match with AJ Styles and Andrade Cien Almas, the lights go out. On the Tron is a video filmed on a cell phone, and we see EC3 and Cassius Ono. They accept Paige's offer to have a one-off match. But Paige, that's the funny thing about the takeover. You will never see us coming. Long live the king. EC3 says as the video cuts out. The lights come back on and AJ and Andrade are back-to-back in the center of the ring, ready to fight. There seems to be some confusion, but the match continues as scheduled. On NXT the following Wednesday, William Regal is live from a remote location with his arm in a sling and some bruises on his face. He announces both EC3 and Cassius Ono have been released from NXT as a result of their actions over the last few weeks. They've put too many people in danger. He also indicates he has it on good authority that they will not be signing on the main roster. His feed fades out. A graphic is shown with the announcement by Mauro Ronaldo of a tag match featuring Birch and Lorcan versus Keith Lee and Matt Riddle coming up next. After the commercial, Lee and Riddle make their way to the ring and they high-five. Birch and Lorcan's music hits next, but they do not come out. Moro posits that perhaps they are still injured. 
Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong come out on the mic and state that since the inmates are running the asylum in the absence of William Regal, the undisputed era will take Lee and Riddle off the board. Week four begins at Backlash, May 26th, 2019. On the Backlash pre-show panel, Jonathan Coachman, Booker T, and Sam Roberts are discussing the match between The Bar versus EC3 and Ono. Booker T praises EC3 and Ono for taking what they think is theirs. Coachman says he doesn't really like it and questions their sportsmanship and manhood. EC3 and Ono arrive on set. This was not planned. They take Sam Roberts' headset and shove him out of the way. EC3 thanks Booker T and tells the coach the takeover has arrived. Coach pushes back. Is that all? You're the takeover? Are there more of you? What's the plan? You've been fired from NXT and can't get signed to either main roster brand. Ono takes the mic and says, Here's our message for the bar and anyone else who wants to stand in our way. You'll never see us coming. Long live the king. And they toss the headset and walk off. Well, I can certainly see you leaving. That's just great. Sam, are you okay? As the pre-show cuts for commercial. The Bar versus EC3 and Cassius Ono. The Bar make their entrance first, showing off their titles confidently and determined. The lights cut out, and EC3's entrance begins with his initials on the Tron. And when the lights come up, Cassius Ono's music hits. They don't taunt or show off. They stare directly at their opponents and enter slowly with an incredible aura of arrogance. Sheamus leads off the bout and declares that he wants Ono first. Ono obliges. They begin the match with some big haymakers trying to cut one another down. Sheamus eventually gets Ono with a solid shoulder block that knocks him on his back. Sheamus motions to Cesaro to come join him in the ring. They do the We are the bar! taunt at Ono and EC3. Sheamus goes to walk towards EC3, but Cesaro holds on to Sheamus. Cesaro pulls him by the back of the neck to face him. Sheamus is heard on camera asking, What are you doing? And Cesaro is seen mouthing, Taking over. And points at EC3. Sheamus turns around and EC3 runs in and takes Sheamus to the ground with a gigantic clothesline. Cesaro looks down at Sheamus and Sheamus tries to crawl towards his partner. Byron Saxton mentions, He's instinctively going towards his partner looking for a tag. Cesaro and Sheamus lock eyes and Cesaro smiles. He then looks up at Ono and EC3 and nods his head. He gets Sheamus up and uppercuts him into the ropes. He then Irish whips him into Ono, who nails Sheamus with a rolling elbow, staggering Sheamus, who then turns and walks right back into Cesaro. Cesaro pops Sheamus up into the air, and EC3 catches him with a cutter. The crowd is hot and booing heavily. EC3 makes the cover on Sheamus, and the referee reluctantly counts to three. EC3, Cesaro, and Ono raise their hands together in the center of the ring. They break to celebrate individually as Ono and Cesaro hug again. Cesaro and Ono hit their pose, interlocking their arms, and EC3 stands behind them with his hand in his taunt. In unison, they yell, This is the takeover! Long live the king! They exit into the crowd. 
During the main event match, which features WWE Champion Daniel Bryan defending the title against Rey Mysterio, there's some commotion in the crowd that clearly pulls the audience attention away from the match in the ring. Daniel Bryan takes notice. He slides out of the ring to investigate and gets hit in the back. Two men in black jackets are beating Daniel Bryan down. Mysterio eventually notices and tries a baseball slide to attack them, but one grabs his legs and slams him to the ground on the outside. Both men are attacking the champion and the challenger. They pull their hoods down and are finally revealed. Corey Graves informs the WWE Universe, That's Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Oh my god! And out through the crowd emerges EC3, Cassius Ono, and Cesaro. They slide Mysterio and Brian into the ring and all take turns tossing Mysterio around and hitting him. Daniel Bryan fires up and the crowd starts chanting, Yes! Daniel Bryan gets a small amount of offense in before getting completely overrun again. They hit Bryan with the same combination they did earlier on Sheamus. Rolling elbow, pop-up, cutter. Bryan's out. They go to do the same to Mysterio, but AJ Styles comes running out from the back, along with Rollins, Jeff Hardy, Apollo, Rusev, and more. A complete brawl breaks out, before the takeover escaped through the crowd, ending the pay-per-view. On the following SmackDown, it kicks off with highlights of the chaos that happened at the conclusion of Backlash. Which you could watch anytime on demand on the WWE Network. Later in the show, Sheamus enters the ring with both tag team titles. He gets on the mic. Things didn't go so well for me this past Sunday at Backlash. Unfortunately, without a partner... I won't be able to defend my tag team titles. I say my titles because my former partner decided to stab me in the back. Not only stab me in the back, but SmackDown too. So I'm relinquishing the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. But now I have a new goal. I'm going to stop the takeover. The crowd cheers and suddenly the lights dim and the takeover begins being spotted throughout the crowd, making their way closer to the ring. They all stand near the barricade and are about to climb over when Daniel Bryan's music hits. Daniel Bryan comes running out alongside Rey Mysterio, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston. They all gather in the ring and go back to back with Sheamus. The takeover begins to retreat and head back up into the crowd. Paige's music hits and she walks out onto the stage. If you think you can continually interrupt my show, you're wrong. Good thing you're in your gear tonight, because we're about to have a 10-man tag team match. The TakeOver versus Sheamus, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston. Let's get a referee out here. EC3 is visibly annoyed, but the crowd pops. We cut to commercial. Back from commercial and the match begins. Sheamus starts things off with Cesaro, but Cesaro quickly tags out to Ono. Sheamus and Ono start off and beat the hell out of each other. Throughout the match we see some great spots. The match breaks down with Sheamus and Oni Lorcan as the legal men. Sheamus hits an Irish curse backbreaker on Lorcan. Cassius Ono hits Sheamus with a discus big boot. Daniel Bryan comes in and hits a running knee on Cassius Ono. Cesaro hits Brian with a very European uppercut. 
Mysterio comes in and drop kicks Cesaro into the ropes and connects with a 619. Ray goes for the springboard into the ring, but Danny Birch trips him up, causing Ray to get hung up on the top rope. Birch comes in and hits a rope hung DDT on Mysterio. While Birch is laying down from the DDT, Xavier Woods hits an elbow drop from the top rope. Woods comes up and eats a TK3 from EC3. Kofi goes for an SOS on EC3, but EC3 reverses out, and Lorcan comes back in the ring. They start double-teaming Kofi. Sheamus comes in, and together, they fight back EC3 and Lorcan. Kofi and Sheamus start to taunt. Sheamus pounds on his chest, and Kofi claps along. Brogue! 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 EC3 and Lorcan are pulled out of the ring by the other members of the takeover. They begin to retreat up the ramp to collect themselves. The remaining members of Team SmackDown enter the ring and are screaming for the takeover to come back. Suddenly, the lights go out, and when they come back on, Neville is standing at the top of the ramp. The crowd goes nuts. Corey Graves shouts, The King is back, and he's here to stand up to the takeover! We see the takeover turn back to look at the ring, and they separate as Neville's focus is solely on the ring. He looks menacing and points at Team SmackDown as the takeover unite by his side. Tom Phillips remarks, It appears as though Neville is leading the takeover. This is crazy! The takeover charge the ring and brawl with Team SmackDown. The referee rings the bell as all hell has broken loose. The takeover clears the ring until Sheamus is left. Neville directs each member of the takeover to attack Sheamus. Birch hits a German suplex and Sheamus rolls up onto his feet, where Oni Lorcan connects with a half-and-half half suplex. Sheamus is pulled up and Ono nails him with a rolling elbow smash. Sheamus falls back into the ropes, where Cesaro Irish whips Sheamus and pops him up on the rebound, where EC3 catches him with a cutter. The five superstars drag a lifeless Sheamus into the corner as Neville ascends to the top rope. Neville hits the red arrow on Sheamus and rises to his feet. The takeover stand tall as SmackDown Live ends. Week 5, SmackDown Live. SmackDown begins with replays of last week. The commentators discuss Neville's return and project whether he's been leading the takeover from the beginning or not. We are told Shane McMahon will be here later tonight to get SmackDown Live back under control. Later in the show, Shane McMahon appears backstage, and he's talking with Paige. Shane says, That's the problem. You gave these guys an inch and they took a mile. But I'm going to straighten it all out tonight. There's no negotiating with these guys. Shane leaves the frame as Byron Saxton says, Shane McMahon is on his way to the ring to call out the takeover. Next! We cut away to commercial. Here Comes the Money rings out through the arena and out walks SmackDown Live Commissioner Shane McMahon. Shane says he's happy to be back, despite the circumstances. I never thought a group could cause such problems here for SmackDown Live. I've said it's the land of opportunity, and Paige gave Ono and EC3 an opportunity. They took it and ran. Cesaro decided he wanted to throw away all the hard work he's done alongside Sheamus just to partner up with a group of delinquents who would rather attack from behind than face-to-face. Every single step of the way, these guys have taken shortcut after shortcut and avoided any real consequences. 
Neville claims he's a king when he's really just a creepy little bastard. The crowd pops and starts chanting CLB. I'm putting a stop to this fantasy club right now. Effective immediately. Neville's music hits and he comes walking out on the stage, followed by Lorcan, Birch, and EC3. Neville laughs. You know, Shane, I am a bastard. I'm the bastard. I'm the bastard king. And I'm back to take over the WWE, and now you're in my way. Shane replies, You're on my stage, on my show, and I'm ready to have you removed. Permanently. Neville chuckles again to himself and responds, Long live the king. Cesaro and Ono walk out on stage, dragging Paige along with them. Shane goes to get out of the ring, and Neville cuts him off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not so fast there, Shane O'Mac. Do you really want to tempt fate tonight? My executioners are ready. Ono, Cesaro, and EC3 all force Paige to the ground. Neville yells, Kneel before your king. Paige is struggling. Shane screams out, Stop! Stop it! You'll cripple her! We can hear Paige crying and telling Shane to just give them whatever they want. Neville says, How many times do you think I could step on her neck before that happens? I want the money in the bank contract. Shane responds, Absolutely not. You don't get to... Neville raises his knee to his chest, hovering his foot over Paige's head. Choose your next words... Very carefully, daddy's boy. Paige shrieks as Neville slams his foot down on the stage next to her as Shane relents. Okay, fine. Just let her go, for the love of God. Neville responds. No, for the love of your king. Frustrated, Shane says. You want it? You're in the Money in the Bank ladder match one week from Sunday at the pay-per-view. Fine. Now let her go. Neville smirks and lowers his foot. They let her go and she stumbles to the bottom of the ramp. Shane rushes out of the ring to check on her. Neville's music plays and the takeover leave. Week 6, SmackDown Live, June 11th, 2019. SmackDown opens with Shane and Paige in the ring. Paige leads off and says, What happened last week crossed a line and will never happen again. Shane agrees and says, while TakeOver got what they wanted, they haven't won the war just yet. There are always consequences for actions. Paige declares that TakeOver will have no involvement in the outcome of the Money in the Bank match whatsoever, because they'll be busy in their own matches. EC3, Cesaro, and Cassius Ono will be facing the New Day in a six-man tag team match. And if the TakeOver loses... They are banished from SmackDown Live forever. However, the winners will take home the vacant SmackDown Live tag team titles. Byron Saxton remarks that Big E must be 100% healthy. Corey Graves says he sure hopes so, because the TakeOver have already proven themselves to be incredibly formidable. Shane notes that he also has another message for the TakeOver, from NXT's general manager, William Regal. Regal is shown from the Tron in a pre-recorded video to announce that at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia 2, the night before Money in the Bank, 
Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan will be facing Keith Lee and Matt Riddle in a steel cage match. At NXT TakeOver Philadelphia 2 on Saturday, June 15th, 2019, we have a Tornado Tag Steel Cage match featuring Matt Riddle and Keith Lee versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Several big spots occur, including Burch and Lorcan racking Lee and Riddle up in opposite corners and running back and forth, hitting uppercuts and elbow strikes. Keith Lee lands a pounce on Lorcan, launching him into the cage wall. Matt Riddle is trying to lock the bro mission in on Danny Burch, but Lorcan hits an exploder suplex on Lee, causing Lee to land on Riddle and Burch. Lorcan tries to escape the cage at one point, but he's caught by Matt Riddle. They're brawling back and forth, standing on the top rope. Keith Lee comes over and sets up Lorcan for a spirit bomb. Lee walks Lorcan out from the cage towards the center of the ring and lifts him for the last ride, as Matt Riddle leaps out and connects with a knee strike as Lee lands the last ride powerbomb. They both cover Lorcan. One, two, no! The crowd goes wild. Birch breaks it up. The crowd chants NXT. Birch hits a huge German suplex on Riddle and then begins landing strikes on Lee. Lee makes it to his feet and blocks a German suplex attempt. Lee goes for a German suplex, but Birch flips over, landing on his feet. He pulls down Keith Lee and traps him in a crossface. Lorcan gets up and puts Lee in a single-leg Boston Crab. Lee looks ready to tap when Matt Riddle saves the match by hitting a knee strike on Lorcan. Danny Birch releases his hold and begins fighting off Riddle. Birch gets caught between the cage and the ropes, and Riddle goes for the knee strike, but Birch ducks out of the way and Riddle slams his knee against the cage. Birch takes advantage and connects with his rope-hung cutter. Birch stumbles over to Lorcan, and they gang up on Keith Lee. Birch gets Keith Lee up on his shoulders in the electric chair drop position, and Lorcan goes to the top rope, and they hit Lee with their version of the Doomsday Device. They both cover Lee for the pinfall. One, two... Three. Oni Lorgan and Danny Birch win. The following night at Money in the Bank, The New Day versus The Takeover. EC3, Cesaro, and Cassius Ono for the vacant SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. And if The Takeover loses, they are banished from SmackDown Live. EC3, Ono, and Cesaro dominate for the first three quarters of the match. They work as a complete unit. The match breaks down as Cesaro, EC3, and Ono set up for their triple-team pop-up cutter combination. Cesaro tags in EC3 and whips Kofi into the corner and charges at him for the European uppercut. As he's charging, Xavier Woods kicks Cesaro in the face with an enziguri. Cesaro drops, and Ono goes to attack Kofi, but Kofi dives under Ono's legs. Woods springboards into the ring and hits a clothesline on Ono. Kofi makes the tag to Big E, who comes in like a house of fire. He drops EC3, then drops Ono, then drops Cesaro. The heels all powder out of the ring, and Kofi and Woods dive to the outside, taking everyone out. EC3 crawls back into the ring at Big E's feet. He looks up, and Big E swivels his hips and sticks his tongue out, taunting EC3. Big E rebounds and hits a splash on a prone EC3. He lifts him up, and Kofi's in the corner. Kofi and Big E hit EC3 with a midnight hour, and Big E covers EC3. One, two, three. 
They've done it. New Day has banished the takeover from SmackDown Live and have won their sixth tag team championship. Paige and Shane come out and celebrate with the New Day. But the night isn't over there. The Money in the Bank ladder match features Neville versus Sheamus versus Andrade Cien Almas versus Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. This match is an absolute crazy spot fest, mixing the powerhouses, the workhorses, and the speed and agility of all six men. Finn Balor connects with a shotgun dropkick to Drew McIntyre, who falls back and sits in the corner. Balor then places a ladder across McIntyre's chest and turns to eat a fake kick spinning back elbow from Almas. Almas notices McIntyre prone in the corner, and Almas runs and connects with the double knees, crushing the ladder into McIntyre's chest. Sheamus is in the ring. Neville springboards into the ring, but Sheamus catches him with an Irish curse backbreaker, but hangs on to him. He connects a second time. Sheamus notices the other members of the match grouped out at the bottom of the ramp and sets up Neville. He lifts him into a high cross and launches him out of the ring onto the group, taking everyone out. Balor and Rollins work together to cut down Sheamus and are successful. They trap him between the legs of the ladder while laying on the ground. Balor hits a double stomp simultaneously as Rollins hits a curb stomp on the ladder, closing it on Sheamus' back. Rollins and Balor are climbing up opposite sides of dual ladders placed next to one another. They begin trading blows. Almas climbs up Balor's ladder and begins to strike him. Balor drops a few rungs and turns to eat a claymore off the ladder by McIntyre. Rollins takes a big kick from Almas. Almas taunts, but Rollins super kicks the side of Almas's ladder, tipping it over, sending Almas out of the ring onto Sheamus. Rollins reaches for the Money in the Bank briefcase, but McIntyre starts moving the ladder with Seth on it away from the briefcase. McIntyre rounds to the side to try pushing the ladder over, but Rollins begins kicking McIntyre. And while he's stunned, Rollins drops from the ladder and hits a huge curb stomp on McIntyre. Rollins appears to have hurt his ankle on the landing, but he works through it. He crawls back over to the ladder and uses it to pull himself up. As he's climbing, Neville springboards in over Rollins and lands on the ladder just above him. Neville adjusts his weight and launches himself and Rollins off the ladder, hitting a reverse Rana. Seth crashes to the mat and falls out of the ring. Neville clutches the ladder and props himself up. He's all alone. He ascends to the top and retrieves the briefcase. The match ends and Neville has won the Money in the Bank briefcase. The main event for the WWE Universal Championship is Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. This is a Goliath versus Goliath match, something out of a comic book. These two heavyweights pound the holy hell out of each other. Lesnar hits five German suplexes. Lashley does a military press to Lesnar. Lots of MMA-style striking and groundwork from both. Lashley begins getting the better of Lesnar and hoists him up for the Dominator. But Lesnar wriggles out and drops Lashley with an F5 for the pin and the victory. Neville's music hits and makes his way to the ring with the takeover flanking him and the Money in the Bank briefcase in hand. Birch and Lorcan hit the ring first and beat Lesnar down in the ring, 
as Neville hands the ref the case and tells him he's cashing in. Cesaro whips Lesnar into the corner and hits the running European uppercut. Lesnar staggers out as Ono hits the rolling elbow on Lesnar, whose legs begin to go weak as he stumbles back into Cesaro, who pops Lesnar up in the air and is caught by EC3 with a cutter. The takeover leave the ring as Neville slides in. Lesnar somehow reaches his feet as the ref is explaining to him that Neville is cashing in, and Jojo makes the official announcement. Neville is cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase. The bell rings and Neville charges out of the corner and hits a handspring backflip into a tornado DDT. Lesnar is lying prone on the mat as Neville ascends to the top turnbuckle. He leaps up and connects with the red arrow as the referee counts the pin. One, two, three. They've done it. The takeover invaded WWE and got their leader, Neville, to the top of the mountain. Neville is now the WWE Universal Champion, and his entire crew is ready to invade Raw next. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Uh, big shout out to Omega Luke for giving us the opportunity and letting us be involved. We had a really great time writing this fantasy booking. And if you want to hear more from us, you could always follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Royally Rumbled. Thank you so much. He's Robert. He's Jordan. And we are Royally, Royally Rumbled. What's up, IMLP? And you are listening to Wrestling Luke Omega Podcast, maybe. I think I fucked it up. But anyways, you should subscribe. We begin our fantasy booking on the 8th of April, 2019, Monday Night Raw. Now, the day before at WrestleMania, Seth Rollins defeats Brock Lesnar to become the new Universal Champion. And Drew McIntyre wins a multi-man ladder match to win the Intercontinental Championship. Now, in this booking, Braun Strowman is still written off with that elbow injury. It's been out at this point, as is Dean Ambrose after he takes something like a huge bump around Fastlane Elimination Chamber time against Seth Rollins to end that feud. So, Monday Night Raw, Seth Rollins comes out, the new Universal Champion. He does the whole spiel about how he will be the champion that Monday Night Raw has deserved for a very long time and welcomes everyone to Monday Night Rollins. Suddenly, he is interrupted as four masked men jump from out of the WWE Universe and surround the ring, jumping up onto the apron like the Shield used to do. Seth Rollins notices this. He looks around and thinks to himself, Dean's got to be involved in this. So he calls out, Come on, Dean. Unmask yourself. Don't let some goons do your work for you come face me man to man the four men climb through the ropes attempting to attack Seth Rollins but Seth Rollins preempts and tries to beat them down but unfortunately the four men just beat him to the ground they hit him with chair shots they hit him with the universal title and then they leave Seth Rollins in a pile on the floor later on Drew McIntyre is in an intercontinental championship match against Finn Balor Drew McIntyre wins this match by hitting the Claymore Drew McIntyre turns around to see two of the masked men by the ring post outside the ring. They are masked. It's Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Drew McIntyre remembers the scene very well from a takeover not too long ago. He turns around, preempting an attack. But there's another masked man in the corner opposite. He unmasks. That's Roderick Strong. 
Confused, Drew McIntyre continues to look around until suddenly, bang, he is levelled by the fourth masked man. He unmasks. It's Adam Cole, baby. They beat him down with chair shots. They beat him down with the IC title. They drag him up the ramp and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong put him through the announce table. And Raw ends with the Undisputed Era lined up on the stage. Michael Cole bellowing, Shades of Brooklyn! The Undisputed Era are taking over! Next week, on the 15th of April, Monday Night Raw, Seth Rollins comes out to the ring, furious, wants Adam Cole and his gang to come out right now to answer for their actions. Adam Cole appears on the Titantron. If you want me, come and find me. So Seth Rollins runs up the ramp to backstage and finds Adam Cole in the parking lot. Adam Cole makes a run for it. Seth Rollins tries to give chase, but is, boom, ambushed by the Undisputed Era. Now, this is a low-angle shot with Seth Rollins on the ground and the four members of Undisputed Era, their legs just kicking him and kicking him and kicking him and kicking him, leaving him like he was last week. Later on in the night, Undisputed Era are still causing mischief. They steal Finn Balor's leather jacket. They steal Elias' guitar. And Kyle O'Reilly has a match with Elias. And Kyle O'Reilly wins that match due to shenanigans. They try to beat Elias up with his guitar, but Finn Balor runs down, not forgetting about his jacket. He runs down and makes the save. And Undisputed Era disperse. Now, after the show, there is a social media buzz as WWE release additional security camera footage from inside the parking lot where Undisputed Era attacked Seth Rollins. It reveals that there were four members attacking Seth Rollins, but Adam Cole, with additional angles, couldn't have been anywhere near it. Is there a fifth member to this NXT invasion faction? Next week, on the 22nd of April, Baron Corbin is in the ring with Undisputed Era. After watching the security camera footage and watching SmackDown and William Regal's comments about a mole, he wants answers. Who is this mole? Undisputed Era, they play dumb. Got no idea what you're talking about, mate. Suddenly, Stephanie McMahon comes down to the ring. Pissed off with Baron Corbin allowing a mole to operate in the Raw locker room and allowing NXT rookies to invade the flagship show. And on the spot, Stephanie McMahon fires Baron Corbin. Now, this puts Stephanie McMahon in a tricky position as now she needs a new general manager for Monday Night Raw. Adam Cole, with a glint in his eye, suggests, how about the undisputed error run Monday Night Raw? Stephanie McMahon is suddenly kind of intrigued, as she was when Kevin Owens suggested from out of the blue that he should get the opportunity to win the Money in the Bank briefcase against Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. And she is about to agree to Adam Cole's proposal when suddenly, one by one, Finn Balor, Elias, Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre come down to the ring to confront Undisputed Era and suggest why they should run Monday Night Raw. So to allow Stephanie McMahon to find a permanent replacement for Monday Night Raw, she suggests that at Backlash she announces that their Survivor Series has come early. And there will be a four-on-four elimination match. 
and the winner, or winners, will get to run Monday Night Raw until the next pay-per-view. Seth Rollins chimes up, still battered and bruised after his attack in the parking lot. What about your fifth member? I want a piece of him. So Stephanie McMahon makes it a five-on-five. And Undisputed Era are not happy about this at all. It's like, we don't have a fifth member. We don't know what you're talking about. Drew McIntyre hasn't forgiven Adam Cole. He has unfinished business with him from NXT and also the attack two weeks ago. So Stephanie McMahon makes that match. Drew McIntyre and Adam Cole tonight. Adam Cole bleeds like, no, this is a bad idea. Like, this is a stupid idea. And Stephanie McMahon says, well, and to make sure you don't run away this time, this match will take place inside a steel cage. Drew McIntyre, Adam Cole, main event, steel cage. Adam Cole reenacts that moment where he's on top of the cage at War Games, sounding like this. The match ends in complete chaos with Undisputed Era and Team WWE running down into the ring into the cage. Finn Balor and Seth Rollins diving off into the cage. Undisputed Era manage to make their escape and Adam Cole wins the match. Next week, Baron Corbin is trying to brown nose with the Undisputed Era, trying to get that fifth spot in the team. Okay, sorry about the mole, I believe you. And said, okay, we'll let you in the team. If you help us out and win this match tonight. Baron Corbin agrees. Backstage, Team WWE are discussing how they would run Monday Night Raw. It ends up getting a little bit heated. Drew McIntyre wants to become a double champion. Elias wants a three-hour concert. And Finn Balor wants his universal title shot. His fair universal title shot that he never got after he was distracted by Braun Strowman with his cash-in. And he also has unfinished business with Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is irate with all three of them and says, You know what guys, you're on your own tonight. A six-man tag team match takes place between Elias, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins against Fish, O'Reilly and Strong. Baron Corbin gets involved and as a result Undisputed Era win the match. Undisputed Era celebrate with Corbin until Cole reveals, Unfortunately... We already have a fifth member. Triple H's music hits. Triple H comes down with his sledgehammer, hits Baron Corbin, and then nails him with the pedigree. This makes perfect sense. Triple H, he runs NXT. Of course he would lead this invasion. Suddenly, undisputed there, boom! They beat down Triple H with his sledgehammer. They even hit him with a pedigree. Adam Cole says there's only us four. There is no fifth member. There is no mole. Next week on the 29th of April, Seth Rollins and his team are desperately trying to find a fifth team member. But Undisputed Lair are just beating everyone down the roster, limiting WWE's options. Later in that night, Seth Rollins has a match with Roderick Strong, again ending in chaos with Team WWE and Team Undisputed Era, or New Nexus, beating each other down. Eventually, Team WWE exit the ring. Undisputed Era stand tall in the ring. Seth Rollins makes an announcement. We've got our fifth team member. Braun! Braun Strowman comes down to the ring. Undisputed Era try to make their escape, but Braun Strowman catches Bobby Fish. Boom! Hits him with the power slam. And that 
is the final go-home segment before Backlash. At Backlash, Braun Strowman is backstage, doing a whole segment about having unfinished business with Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin and how Undisputed Era are going to get these hands. Suddenly, boom, he's attacked. But he hardly flinches. He turns around. It's Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly looks like he's crapped himself and makes a run for it. Braun Strowman chases after him during the night. Braun Strowman chases Kyle O'Reilly into a room. Kyle O'Reilly manages to exit that room and lock the door. He calls over, come on, quick, 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 quick. And we see Bobby Fish driving a forklift with items on the forks and barricades Braun Strowman in the door. Undisputed Era leave, laughing. It's match time. Shock the system. The Undisputed Era come out and they are on the forklift. Bobby Fish is driving, Roderick Strong one side, Kyle O'Reilly on the other, Adam Cole is on the forks themselves. Bobby Fish raises the forks up, Adam Cole going up and up and up, and then you know what's coming. The match begins. It's four on four. Braun Strowman doesn't come down. He's still locked in. So the referee starts the count down to 10 and Braun Strowman is counted out. During this match, it's Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong's job just to piss Drew McIntyre off. Eventually, Drew McIntyre snaps and gets himself disqualified and for a little bit of vengeance, puts Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong through the announce table and leaves. It comes down to Seth Rollins and Finn Balor against Bobby Fish and Adam Cole. The Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Adam Cole, they try to keep Seth Rollins in the match and keep knocking Finn Balor off the apron, trying to wear Seth Rollins down. But Seth Rollins hits Bobby Fish with a curb stomp. One, two, three. Fish is eliminated. Adam Cole is all on his own. Cole and Rollins go back and forth. Cole attempts a super kick. But Seth Rollins counters with a super kick of his own, grounding Adam Cole. Seth Rollins bounces off the ropes as Finn Balor blind tags himself in. Boom! Seth Rollins hits the curb stomp but collapses from exhaustion. Finn Balor climbs a turnbuckle. He leaps straight onto Seth Rollins, right on the back of his head. What the hell is Finn Balor doing? Seth Rollins gets up just about conscious. He looks stunned at Finn Balor. Finn Balor runs at him. Boom! Shotgun dropkick. Finn Balor reaches into his trunks and takes out an undisputed era armband. He places it on, looks at Seth Rollins, shotgun dropkick again, coup de gras. Adam Cole covers Rollins. One, two, three. Finn Balor is the mole and undisputed era run Monday Night Raw for the next five weeks. They do all the usual stuff they put themselves into title matches and Finn Balor explains I don't need to explain my actions because I've already done so. I want revenge on Drew McIntyre and I want my fair universal title shot. That is the raw side of the booking for our NXT invasion. Now that Josh has looked at the new Nexus storyline and war involving the undisputed ever, now let's look at this R Smackdown end of the new Nexus fantasy booking. Just to note that Tommaso Ciampa is still the NXT champion. 
So this is the SmackDown after Mania. AJ Styles is um, in the ring. He's um, obviously just lost against Danny Bryan at WrestleMania. And he is coming out saying he um, he wasn't at his best. And he let everyone down. But he's too phenomenal. And he just wants another shot. Um, AJ at this point is sort of like fr- more of a frustrated face slash entitled heel. Uh, Paige comes out says, you have to earn opportunities like everybody else. I know you're frustrated, but you have to earn it like everybody else. Um, AJ retorts and says that he believes he's done enough to earn a shot. Uh, if it wasn't for him, SmackDown wouldn't be where it is. It's now the must-see brand in WWE. And that's the this is the house that AJ Styles built, and they owe him. And he's pretty much beaten everyone on the brand, and there's no one left him to face. Then the lights go out, and then Titan Tron, there's a door in a dark house. Someone is knocking, and eventually he gets louder and louder. Eventually the door creeps open, and suddenly there's a silhouette of a man that looks very familiar. The crowd goes nuts. The video cuts out, and the lights come, come up in the ring. Set in the middle of the ring is Alistair Black, and four hooded figures behind him. AJ is alarmed and is on edge. Each hooded figure approaches and reveals themselves, facing off against AJ, teasing possible feuds. You've got, and them four people are Ricochet, at this time it's still the North American champion, Pete Dunne, that is the UK champion, you've got Velveteen Dream, and then you've got Mr. Wrestling himself, Johnny Gargano. There's a face-off between AJ Styles and Alistair Black. And Black says, We are done waiting. We've been, knock- we've been knocking for a long time. We're kicking down the door that AJ Styles built. AJ's on edge. He considers squaring off against the NXT Invaders, but decides to back down and leaves due to the numbers game. The match is made later in the night. Alistair Black versus Rey Mysterio. Black wins the match with hitting the Black Mass. Mysterio gets up and eyeballs Black, as is to say, what else have you got? And then leaves. AJ suddenly appears from the outside. He jumps on the apron, setting up for the phenomenal forearm. Black turns around and spots AJ and sits and crosses his legs in the ring as he does, daring and inviting AJ to do it. AJ stops, drops in the apron and leaves. Then we have a backstage segment with uh, Paige, GM, with um, and has a, and she has a visitor and it is William Weagle, the NXT GM. Uh, she's basically asking him like, why are they here? Why are NXT superstars here on Raw and SmackDown? She, um, Weagle comes out saying he doesn't know. Uh, but it seems like they've been conspiring to do this for a very long time. But he, he comes out saying, honestly, he they have a point. Um, Warrington, they warrant an opportunity. Um, she also asked about the undisputed era invasion of war, and if they, um, why aren't they all working together? And also, who attacked Seth Rollins uh, the night previous in our other fantasy booking? Uh, Regal just replies saying um, he doesn't know, but you might have better luck asking Alistair Black. But if you want his opinion, they're not working together because these guys know that the Undisputed Era are the greatest lot of pillocks in NXT. And in regards of who else attacks Seth Rollins, uh, looks like um, Raw's got a mole. To me, that's what he says. Then we cut to Alistair Black, Gargano, Ricochet, Pete Dunne and Velveteen Dream in the ring. They address why they're working alongside the Undisputed Era. But they are not on the same page. They have different methods. They do not agree with what the Undisputed are doing because they are cowards and they don't agree with what they're doing. But they also reveal that there was a mole on Raw. That obviously sets up that storyline on Raw. Then the Miz interrupts. And then there's an improv Miz TV segment. 
And basically the whole thing is basically Miz being Miz. Basically slagging off everyone in the ring. He calls Guy Gano next Danny Bryan because he can't get the job done. He slates Dunn and Ricochet. Mainly at Dunn saying, you guys, you guys both say you are a team. But deep down you hate each other. And obviously tries to poke at uh, Pete Dunn saying that basically Ricochet wants his UK title. Then he sort of, uh, the, the best one is when he goes against, he slags off Velveteen Dream. So it starts off really good, saying like, you know, a lot of things come, we've got good fashion sense, charisma, athletic ability, but you're missing one thing. I have a hit reality show, Miz and Mrs. Watch Where's Yours. Last time you were on reality, reality TV, you couldn't even get the cut for the final two. So you certainly won't get the cut here. Then Alistair Black interrupts. We didn't come here to talk. They all stand up and face against the Miz. The Miz calls for security, and the security comes out and protects the Miz. Then the Miz sneaks, sneaks through and has a cheap shot against Gargano. Then all the NXT guys attack the Miz and the security. Then Nakamura, Nakamura and Samoa Joe run down to help the Miz. But then the NXT guys hit all their signatures on security Joe and Nakamura, with all finishing up with Black hitting the Black Mass on the Miz. And then this sets up a match later on night with between Ricochet and Samoa Joe and Gargano versus The Miz. Uh, Ricochet versus Samoa Joe is more of a sort of ground and pound match where sort of like Joe is like in rest holes and submissions. But Ricochet is too quick and slippery and he gets out of them most of the match. Uh, Joe um, hits Coquelina clutch on Ricochet. He struggles to get to the ropes. He reaches the ropes but Joe won't release for the rest five count and he gets disqualified. Dunn comes to save his, uh, save his partner. Uh, there's a nice altercation between Dunn and Joe. And then Dunn and Ricochet eventually see off Joe and that ends that bit. Then we get to the Gargano-Miz uh, match. Uh, it's basically just uh, the Miz taunting Gargano, saying you are but like a failure, causing Johnny failure. Um, he tries to hit the um, Trumper version of the Dragon DDT. Um, but uh, Gargano doesn't take this and he attacks him with um, super kicks and locks in the Gargano escape. Onto the Miz and he taps. Then he continues to beat down. He continues to beat down on the Miz, taunting him with the yes chance every time he hits a super kick on the Miz. Um, this this vicious attack also shows a new side of Gargano that we saw obviously uh, when he attacked Alistair Black. This puts the Miz off for a couple of weeks, and on the way out of this episode, he bumps into Velveteen Dream, who is carrying and stroking his dog, um, punking. Uh, Dream taunts him and says, don't worry, the Dream will take over from here. This leads into week three. Obviously, it's an old case we just talked about. Velveteen Dream takes over Miss TV. And he, welcome to, and he calls it, welcome to the Velvet TV. He invites AJ onto the show. They bicker about whose show uh, Smackdown is. Dream says he is phenomenal. This sets up a match straight away um, later on in the night. AJ's too frustrated from his loss at WrestleMania and it affects his performance. Uh, AJ attempts to, to roll Dream into the calf crusher, but Dream counters into a roll-up. One, two, three. Dream wins. Ev- everyone's shocked. AJ can't believe it. Then later on, we had a tag team match between Nakamura and Samoa Joe versus Pete Dunne and Ricochet. This match ends up in a count-out because Dunne and Joe kick the living crap out of each other outside the ring. The ball goes into the WWE Universe or the crowd. Then there was a match between Rey Mysterio and Gargano. Gargano wins. Uh, Mysterio and Johnny shake hands, but eyeball each other, waiting for the f- to fight again. Then we get to week four, where we get a Velvet TV section with Danny Bryan as his guest, W Champion. 
Um, they both have a back and forth with, with like, the, the Velveteen Dream giving fashion tips saying, you look like a homeless Kurt Cobain. Then you got Danny Bryan saying, I can see why he took the talk show spot. I watched TakeOver. You like the Miz. You're arrogant and entitled and rely on other people's ring attire, i.e. the Hulk Hogan thing he did at TakeOver and finishing moves to get over. And like the Miz and Hogan, you can't wrestle. And then Dream introduces his next guest, Johnny Gargano. Um, Gargano cuts a problem on both of them. Um, but then Gargano challenges Danny Bryan and for the match between new Danny Bryan versus a new Johnny Gargano. Dream also challenges Danny Bryan for his remarks as well. And then, a- then AJ Styles interrupts and says to Dream, you were lucky last week was a fluke. And then the tag team match is set up. Gargano and Dream versus Bryan and Styles. Dream is about to hit the elbow on Styles. Set for another shock upset. Suddenly Nakamura appears, low blows Dream. The match ends in DQ. Nakamura, Brian beat down Gargano and Dream. They announce the black ones down and evens the odds. Everyone is bowling outside the ring. Uh, Alistair Black is left in the middle of the ring. AJ attempts to hit to the phenomenal forearm. Again, behind Black. Then Black runs towards AJ, knocking him off the apron. A moonsault off the ropes and sitting in the middle of the ring is Alistair Black. And then Brian, Nakamura and AJ... Glance at Gargano, Dream and Black from outside the ring. Then we get to week 5. Paige makes the announcement that a backlash the NXT guys will compete against the SmackDown roster guys. The stipulation is, if NXT roster members win their match, they will be called up to the main roster and receive a title shot, a future title shot, if they are facing a champion in their match. And with the WWE roster guys, if they win, they have an opportunity to send the NXT guys back and receive a future title shot if they are facing a champion as well. The matches at Backlash are Rey Mysterio versus Ricochet, Samoa Joe versus Pete Dunne, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Velveteen Dream, Daniel Bryan versus Johnny Gargano, and AJ Styles versus Alistair Black. Also, Paige announces there will be a five-on-five match in this evening, that evening SmackDown. In this tag match, it just sets up more potential feuds and matches. Example like Ricochet vs Nakamura, Dan- Daniel Bryan vs Pete Dunne, Alistair Black vs Samoa Joe, etc, etc. But in the tag team match, once AJ Styles is tagged in, he starts to wrestle the match on his own, refusing to tag his teammates in, trying to prove that he's too phenomenal and this smack- Smackdown is his house. AJ's team gets pissed off and Nakamura can him. Everyone on AJ's time beats him up, except Mysterio, who makes makes the save. There is chaos. Eventually, Pete Dunne hits the bitter end on, on Mysterio to win the match. AJ climbs back into the ring with the steel chair, squares off with Alistair Black. Black just sits down again, waiting. And on social media, it is revealed that AJ and Black still sitting in the ring as the crowd in the arena are leaving. The ring crew are even packing away and they're sitting there still refusing to budge. Then we get to Backlash. And the first match that was uh, announced uh, in the previous week on SmackDown is Ricochet versus Rey Mysterio. If Rey Mysterio wins, he gets a few championship shot at the North American Championship. And if Ricochet loses, he goes back to NXT. It's a high-flying contest with Ricochet clearly in his prime. Equal to begin with, similar moveset, just trying to outdo each other. Ricochet is more consistent as the match draws on and Ray tires. His technical and ability is slipping and he gets tired 
and then Ricochet hits his 630 and wins the match. Then we get to Pete Dunne versus Samoa Joe. It's a false count anywhere match, very physical, it spills to outside the ring. Joe hits his submission, uh, Dunne refuses to tap, but Dunne eventually passes out and Joe wins the match by technical submission. Um, after the match, Joe attacks, attacks him, and then Tyler Blay and Trent Seven run down to save Dunne. Joe run, and Joe runs away. Uh, Dunne gets up and then gets on the mic and then says to Joe, see you at Wembley. Uh, or whenever the next NXT UK t- event or takeover is. And then the loss doesn't hurt Dunn. He didn't tap. Building and promoting NXT UK. Then we get to the match between Velveteen Dream and Shinsuke Nakamura. The, the stipulation in this match was if Dream wins, he gets a US title shot. If he loses, he goes back to NXT. This was built as a Charisma versus Charisma match. They all started out with both mocking and taunting each other. With Dream doing their come on... And collapsing against the ropes as Nakamura does when he enters the ring. Shinsuke was doing Dreams' arms out reaching. And arcs back, walks and putting on Dreams' sunglasses. Dream has some signature attire. US stars and stripes. A tiger on his crotch and an image of Nakamura's face on his knees. This was another physical counter. We're both trying to kick each other in the balls. But catch each other's legs. There's a stare down with both balancing on one leg. Also, Dream hits an elbow, but Nakamura kicks out. Dream goes for the elbow again, but Nakamura rolls out the ring, heads towards the ramp. Dream rolls outside the ring and grabs the US title. He's standing in the ring, taunting Nakamura. The ref tries to take the belt from Dream, infuriating him, causing a distraction. Nakamura jumps in the ring. Dream spots this and moves. Nakamura accidentally hits the Kinshasa on the ref as well as the US title injuring his knee. The referee is down. Dream attempts the elbow again. Miz runs in, knocks Dreams off the turnbuckle and hits the skull crushing finale. After this, Nakamura with an injured knee crawls for the cover. The referee just recovers, goes for a slow count, one, two, Dream kicks out. Nakamura and the Miz can't believe it. Nakamura lines up for another Kinshasa. Dream gets on his knees, he taunts Nakamura again, saying, come on. Hits the Kinshasa, one, two, three, Nakamura wins. After that, you see Nakamura lift the title high. He looks at Dream, helps him up, shows respect, handshake, Nakamura smiles. No surprise, Nakamura turns, but Dream stops him. Dream bellows the suck it, as the old DX, the old DX used to do. He picks up Nakamura and hits him with the rolling Death Valley driver. Dream glances at the Miz at the top of the ramp, saying, saying, I'll be back. But this means the Dream goes back to NXT, screwed out by the Miz, because Miz gets more heat. But Dream hugely benefits from being on the main roster and getting experience and exposure. Then we get to the match between Alistair Black and AJ Styles. If Black loses, he goes back to NXT. If AJ loses, his pride is damaged. And sort of on the idea of he's got nothing to win, but everything to lose. This could be a considered retirement or stuff like that. This match has a lot of striking and aerial offence. AJ attempts to go for the phenomenal forearm, but is countered being hit by the Black Mass by Alistair Black. Black puts his foot under AJ's chin and picks AJ up, saying something like, we will never be equals. Get used to it. Here's another Black Mass. One, two, three. Alistair Black wins and leaves. AJ is stunned by the defeat. Fears he has lost everything. Potential heel turn, maybe. Then we get to the last match between Johnny Gargano versus Daniel Bryan. 
And the whole stipulation this match is if Gargano loses, he goes back to NXT. But if he wins, he gets a future WWE Championship opportunity. This match is sort of a wrestling masterclass, you know, submission holes, kicks, all that kind of stuff. But the match sort of drags on to the end where Brian hits Gargano with that dragon DDT, that um, Champa's uh, finisher. Daniel uh, says, follow your dreams, go back. Telling Gargano to go back and beat Champa. Gargano locks in the Gargano escape. Brian struggles for a long time but eventually taps out. At the end of this, Black, Gargano and Ricochet are on the main roster. There we have it guys. That was your two fantasy bookings for the new Nexus. Thank you very much to both podcasts for entering and doing stellar jobs. But this is the outro section for all you newcomers where I go through the pros and cons of both bookings and pick an ultimate winner. Or it goes to a draw. We've had that a couple times already, spoiler alert. And quite frankly, this was very close from being that as well. But let's start with Royally Rumble, their pros. Awesome start, by the way. Cassius Ono would be a perfect guy for a new Nexus. I really appreciate that. And they continue to use the two-man spot where one introduces a promo and the other executes the promo, which I absolutely love. Long live the king. What an awesome cliffhanger. Left me wondering who the hell the king was the whole time. I had my ideas, which I'll reveal in a minute. But let's just say I was hooked as soon as I heard this. I was very intrigued and I could not wait until the actual reveal. I love how they also used pre-show guys. Love Sam Roberts. Big inspiration, actually, for my podcast, Sam Roberts, must say. Great turn by Cesaro as well. Legitimately did not see that coming, even with Ono and Cesaro involved after their their past. The descriptions of the attacks and the moves were very good. I could picture what was happening in my head if I closed my eyes. That is just what you want. And I really like how they just called the Invaders TakeOver because it really does fit in with NXT, obviously calling their pay-per-views TakeOver. But here we go, Neville. What a reveal. When they said King, I thought they were going to reveal Matt Riddle, King of Bros. That was where my head was going. I don't know about you guys. Let me know whether you agreed the same or, be honest, if you really did think the King would be Neville, then fair play. But I seriously thought it would be Matt Riddle, King of Bros. I thought that would be very interesting. But Neville makes so much sense. And of course, Neville coming back and causing an NXT takeover makes so much sense after what happened to him. He was awesome in NXT. Absolutely amazing. And then as soon as he left, it all went downhill from there. And he has a reason to be aggressive and to hate the main roster. So what a perfect leader. But it was also great descriptions of the Money in the Bank match. Really well thought out match. I really enjoyed that. And it was a great ending with Neville winning the title. So let's go to the cons now. You do have some cons, I'm afraid, Royally Rumbled. The road to Money in the Bank felt like the takeover were less invading the main roster, but instead were caught up after being involved in the title matches. Whereas I feel Paige would have been more refusing to have them being involved for the risk of taking the belts. Um, also, I think the Keith Lee and Riddle match at the takeover, I don't know whether it was necessary, to the TakeOver storyline on the main roster. 
Um, unsure whether I would have had the takeover lose at Money in the Bank if I was to continue them going on to invade Raw after. But that's not much of a big deal because they obviously didn't want them to have the belts. So maybe tie yourself into a little bit of a corner there. I'm not sure. But personally, I just had a few little changes there. But overall, again, I really like this one, Royal Rumble. It was a very strong start to the booking. Personally, I would have made, like I said, a few different choices in the sort of middle to the approach of the end. But the final part, putting Neville over Brock in a very great fashion with like very Nexus-like, everyone approaching the ring, that sort of thing, was very good and dominating, which is what you want from the new Nexus. But again, the strongest thing about this guy, these guys' bookings is their execution. The way they tell the story, the using the two-man trick with the promos, and the way they are so clear and consistent really adds the storytelling factor. And I really do think they are the best at executing their fantasy booking. They make good bookings sound great. They make great bookings sound awesome. Just through the way they execute it. So I really like that. JSP, Josh and Stu podcast, my boys, pros. Starting off by attacking Rollins as the new champ is a massive impact. And what a way to gain heat for your Nexus takeover group. Great spot too of Undisputed Era with the Drew McIntyre as well. Like that. And the sound effects. Guys, awesome. They have the ability to do it. Recording it themselves. They are a podcast. They know how to edit a podcast. There are no rules against it. You know, the people who aren't podcasters, the people who come on and who are my friends. They don't have the ability to do that. They've never asked me to do that. It's not against the rules. So well played, Josh and Stu. Add it to your storyline. The Adam Cole babies loved it. Keep doing that. Creating the mystery at the beginning with the fifth member. I like that a lot. It was almost like the same tease that we had of the King in the, in the Royally Rumbled. The same sort of effect. I like a good cliffhanger and a tease. I really think that adds... A compelling story adds an effect of, well, you have to keep watching now because you need to find out what it is. And that's something that I always get hooked with. Justice for Finn Balor and his rematch too. Appreciate that. Braun's return to be the fifth member of the main roster would have been a big pop um, after being out injured for so long. And a Finn Balor heel turn. Yes, yes, yes. Did not see it coming either. And I loved it. And a good reasoning to do so as well. So, perfect. Love that. But you do have some cons. I was confused about the Triple H bit. Why he was beat down after what he did and being teased as the fifth guy, which would have been fucking awesome, by the way. I was a little bit confused. Didn't really know what the point of Triple H was in the first place coming out and then getting beat down. I'm not sure. Although I can see why they have each brand not working with each other um, because they wanted to go separate ways using their two-man advantage. It would have been pretty cool to have eight to ten guys going across both, both brands, invading the main roster, causing chaos from NXT with a mixture of Undisputed Era and the guys they picked for the SmackDown invasion. I think that would have been cool and probably better. Maybe if they worked together um, Josh and Stu's different ideas if they work together and put that as one that would have been really cool maybe if they 
I know it's very difficult to say this now and to do and execute it as well. But if they had, if Josh wanted to do Raw and Stu wanted to do SmackDown, maybe they could have chopped it up. So week by week, Josh does Raw, Stu does SmackDown, and in the end, it interlinks into one story. That would have been fucking epic. I also think I would have preferred the same style on the SmackDown brand as we had on the Raw side and having a big match with all involved in the end instead of singles matches. And it, as it got rather confusing, uh, knowing who was going against who, going into Backlash, and I struggled to remember that. And I think if you had it as just one big match, you know the names going in. So, you know, you could have like... Because I understand why he did it, because you're creating dream matches. And definitely, I, I'm all for creating dream matches. That is the whole reason of fantasy booking, because you want to see certain people go up against other people in cool rivalries. That's the whole point of it. And I understand why Stu's done that. But it did get confusing who was against who. I, I, you know, I can't even remember any of the matches now, um, thinking back on it. Whereas in the other one, you know who's going against who in one big match. So you could still create that dream match within a match, if you understand what I mean. Uh, the other thing was the ending was very abrupt. And it was more of a who's getting sent to the main roster deal on the SmackDown side of things rather than a Nexus invasion. And we didn't quite get that, what was happening next. And whether the Raw and the SmackDown sides were working together for the new Nexus in the end. Or whether they were completely separate and it was just... Which I think would have been more of like a, like I said, just a random call-ups. So, rather than an actual nexus. Overall, very good though, guys. I enjoyed both sides of the brands, the actual storyline themselves, and creating some dream matches there, like I said. The sound effects were particularly a highlight. Never been done before, so I appreciate that a lot. And if I had to be really critical, I wish there was a link between the two brands instead of two separate Nexus invasions and make it more of an invasion rather than getting call-ups. But it was clever, the different turns that happened. You had me surprised. Good description of the matches. Again, your detail never fails to amaze me, Josh and Stu, and it really left me with a very difficult decision on a winner. And I was pondering this, who wins for a very long time. I even had to sleep on it. I tweeted it out the other day. As I just literally just couldn't decide straight from the beginning. Uh, beforehand. So when I woke up the next day. I thought about the reasons I picked the certain stipulations that I did. Because it's things I've enjoyed in the past. That wasn't quite executed right. Or things that would have been awesome to see. And the Nexus one is one of those ones that was really good until the end. When it was done in real life. When they were buried by John Cena, obviously. And the reason I picked that stipulation is because of the mystery it led to as why they were invading and the chaos they created and all those sort of things. I really felt like if I was doing a fancy booking, I would love to have done this one, by the way. This is one of the ones that I was really jealous that I wasn't actually doing myself and I picked it for the league. Um, and although both bookings were great, and to be honest, I enjoyed both of them equally as storylines, one booking was closer to the stipulation than the other. And the Nexus was built with different NXT superstars invading the main roster, causing chaos. And although Royley Rumbled slipped away from that at one point, the main intention was there. Yes, both Josh and Stu's sides of things had incredible starts, but the Raw side was more of a undisputed era call-up. 
and the other was more of a NXT versus SmackDown mashup of singles matches. It actually reminded me of when uh, in the 90s and 2000s when uh, Marvel and DC sort of did mashup storylines like Wolverine, um, you know, versus Batman and those sort of things because it was very similar to that, how it was the two brands coming together and creating the dream matches, like a one-off sort of thing, rather than the actual NXT invasion using the Nexus storyline before. So ultimately, I feel like the closest to the stipulation was Royally Rumbled, and I think today they scrape the win for this one because of that. Great effort by Josh and Stu because the bookings were awesome and probably the best that you've done so far. But sticking to the stipulation was the problem here in my eyes. I wanted a new Nexus and I didn't end and it didn't end that way for me, unfortunately, in your bookings. But credit where credit's due, thoroughly enjoyed that episode. Two pairings using their two man crews in very different ways, very creative. Rory Rumble take the two points and head to their final match against Math, where they where a draw or a win actually takes them to the final against Mason Adams, actually, I think it turns out. JSP have been really unlucky twice, and their points don't do them justice. So I want to get them back right away after the league, because I feel like they are right on the cusp of a fantastic fantasy booking. They've improved each time, and I've given them feedback, and their execution is getting better and better, and, they're unique, and they are very unique in their style. They've now created a new tool, a new weapon, using the sound effects in their fantasy bookings. And I think, yes, I'm going to get them back straight away, and I'm going to—I'm very intrigued on getting them back in a match, maybe against someone new who has put their sort of hat in the ring for the championship once the league ends, because I'm very curious and get them to try and earn themselves a shot at that title once the final is over. But guys, this has been wonderful. Thank you both teams very much for competing. I am excited to hear them back on an Omega Luke wrestling podcast in the new year. And as I'm recording this before, good luck to Royally Rumbled in the Josh and Stu Prediction League. They are defending their crowns against those pesky Irish pair just because wrestling podcast. You know I'm rooting for you as my Survivor Series team member and I myself have a title shot too against another Irish team in Irish Whip Podcast. So very exciting times in the JSP Prediction League. So if you aren't following Josh and Stu already, one, why not? Their league is awesome and yours truly is getting ridiculous votes from you guys in the poll, by the way. I think Josh and Stu said it was their most voted poll ever and I think I got like 79% over the Savage Land. So thank you very much for everyone who voted. That is incredible. Thank you. Not only should you be following this league and the league creators, but two, Royally Rumbled are the league champions. So you need to be following both. Well, guys, that is it from me. Another match from the Fantasy Booking League in the books. Another classic battle for two points towards my first ever champion. Who will get there between Math and Royally Rumbled? Winner goes to the final draw. Royally Rumbled takes it on one point more, I believe, after Matt was defeated in his last match. And can either of them beat Mason Adams? 
in the final, the unbeaten Mason Adams. Follow me on Twitter at Omega underscore Luke. Make sure you check out my recent interviews with the likes of TK, Brendan White and Chuck Mambo, as well as many that I have upcoming. Thank you very much to Patreon member John, who, by the way, continues to dominate the wrestling community with Twitter godlike powers. And Omega Luke Mug is on its way to you, good sir. And a massive thank you to the Social Suplex Network for adding me to their list of incredible podcasts. So give them a subscribe to listen to all the great wrestling podcasts on there, including my good friend Wilfred from Wilfred Watches as he continues to expand. If you want to get yourself an Omega Luke tea on Pro Wrestling Tees, visit my shop in the podcast section. And if you are curious, my YouTube vlog from last weekend should be up soon if it isn't so already. I cannot wait for you all to see it. It's my very first YouTube video that I'm actually editing and creating and it's going to be so good. We answered all your questions. It was so much fun. Me and the lads had a lot of laughs and I managed to capture quite a lot of it on camera. I've been Omega Luke. That was another fantastic episode of the Fantasy Booking League and that is why people love this channel and continue to stick around. Thank you all for your support and I'll probably catch you midweek for yet another interview. How about that? Goodbye and yes, you guessed it, good night. Bang! This is Flip Gordon and you need to subscribe to Omega Luke Podcast.